My guest in this hour continues to rock, and he's rocking steady and doing some amazing work. His name is Kenny Gravelis. He is the black creative behind some iconic movie posters for Spike Lee and other Oscar-winning films, not to mention some classic album packages for Public Enemy, LL Cool J, and the Notorious B.I.G. I am delighted to welcome to this studio Kenny Gravelis. Kenny Gravelis, how are you, sir? Oh, thank you, Tavis. It's actually awesome to be back. It's uh, good to yeah, see you again. I feel, feel part of the family now. Oh, you are part yeah, of the family, yeah. man. And you're, you're, <laughs> you're welcome here anytime, particularly given the creative work that you were doing. Oh, I, I just spent, speaking of creativity, I just spent an hour, as you as you know, uh, in tribute to the late, great Norman Lear. Mm. Had the honor, I said to him moments ago in that conversation from some years ago, as a kid growing up in the Midwest, I can never have imagined watching all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm watching Sanford and Son. I'm watching the Jeffersons. I'm watching Good Times. I'm watching Maud. I'm watching all these One Day at a Time. Yep. All these iconic shows. I mean, this guy changed television. Oh, no, 100%. I'm watching all the stuff he he was producing then in the 70s and 80s and never have any idea, of course, I'm going to meet this guy, right. much less interview him countless times, become a personal friend of his. Wow. And so here we are this week celebrating his life and legacy, uh, passing away this week at the age of mm-hmm. 101. And I was in my vault. I mean, so many conversations. I just pulled that one out because sure. I, I liked all of them, but yeah, I yeah. Partic- particularly like that one. So I had a chance, to, uh, again, uh, for the last hour to uh, offer tribute to Norman Lear. And here you come now right? as another creative. So I said at the top of the show, like a couple of hours ago, I guess today's show is about creativity. <laughs> and so uh, I go from Norman Lear to another amazing creative oh name, Kenny Gravel. No, the fact that our name even put my <laughs> name next to his is uh, already I'm beyond. No, I, I, so, I, so I want to talk in this hour, of course, about what it means for you mm-hmm. to be in this space sure. of entertainment as a black creative. Absolutely. And what you do is so uniquely different. I talk to actors all the time and Absolutely. writers and producers, but you're you're a different kind of creative. 100%. And I really want to spend some time sort of excavating that. But you walked in the studio and you were about to tell me a Norman Lear story. I was. So, I was so, so, say, so tell me your I, Norman I, Lear story. I, I'll tell you uh, my Norman Lear story really mm-hmm. quickly. So I, the first time I went to New York, I'm from London originally. The first time I went I, to I New York. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. <laughs> first time I went to New York was 1982. Mm-hmm. And my dad lived in New York at the time. And I remember watching, and I was obsessed with the TV guide. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because in England, we had like four channels. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we got, we, got a whole, we got a whole magazine over here. Yeah, it was like a yeah. whole magazine <laughs> of like TV and all these channels. I was just blown away by it. Yeah. So anyway, so I was a TV nut. So when I got to New York, I started watching television and the Jeffersons came mm-hmm. on. Now, we don't have Jeffersons in England. Mm-hmm. So it was like. I everything like it's so funny the good times Jeffersons mm-hmm. I had not experienced any of those shows so when I was in New York it was the only time I got to actually experience those shows mm-hmm. and those shows never came out in England mm-hmm. so when I would go back there uh, you know they were they weren't around so I, it was amazing and when I found out Norman Lear made those shows I was just so like grateful mm. because like again I wasn't ever exposed to that. Mm-hmm. So it was just a beautiful thing um you know and every time I see the Jeffersons I I don't know it, and I came back to New York a few times after that and every time like the Jeffersons good times it always <laughs> like connected me. I was I don't know it always connected me to America mm-hmm. and it always made me feel like I I felt I was always going to end up in America mm-hmm. one day. I, I had a talk recently I talking about that. There was something about America. I watched the Arnold documentary mm-hmm. recently on Netflix, and he actually says the same thing that I actually had. For every reason, when I was younger, I had this fascination with America. And I think part of it mm-hmm. is because there is, is, is 
problems. Uh, we all have problems as countries, but there is something about America that there's this opportunity thing that does feel real. Mm-hmm. That does feel like oh, something could happen here. And like seeing the Jeffersons, you know, moving on up yep. to the east side <laughs> in a deluxe apartment in the sky. You know, I mean? like it, there was something about that that yeah. completely related for me. So, yeah. yeah so, you know, RIP Norman Lear and thank you so much. No, 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 no. It was my great honor. I, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing because uh, theme songs right. are not, speaking of creativity, theme songs today are not what they, they were used to be. Years oh, no, 100%. Ago. Like, let's see how I just was able to pull we, that out. We all know the lyrics. Yeah, like you were we able to. We all know the just, words. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that no. that that part of that part of creativity in Hollywood has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Theme songs just don't resonate. They don't resonate the same way. The way they did. Yeah, the way they so did true. Back I in mean, the day. Yeah, you saw, I spot that out. Like yeah, perfect, right. It, it's just yeah. it, it's part. It's it's, <laughs> it's 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 part of your your. Your muscle memory. Yeah, it just you remember when it. You, when somebody says good times, you yeah. just say, just looking out yeah, of the window. Exactly. I mean, it just it just comes out. Yeah. It's part of your it's so, muscle memory. It's so true. Uh, but uh, that part of uh, Hollywood creativity has gone down the drain. Yeah, no, but I, I, I digress that. on that. I've got an hour uh, yeah. with you to talk about creativity. Now, sure. And I want to start with this. Basically, you said something a moment ago about Norman Lear that I want to put on a Kenny, a Kenny Graveler's frame. Mm-hmm. And so you heard Norman Lear and I talking uh, in that conversation from some years ago. He was 95, died at 101, uh, about how I so deeply respected his commitment, not mm-hmm. just his capacity, not just his, 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 his gift for doing it, but his commitment to situating humanity inside of his creativity. Mm-hmm. He puts humanity inside of his creativity. Sure. And I want to come to you and ask you when, when we come forward – how you do that in your lane. Mm-hmm. How do you situate humanity, our black folk, black, right. our humanity sure. inside of your creativity? Right. We're going to wrestle with that. When we come forward, I guess there's Kenny, Kenny Gravelis uh, on Tavis Smiley. From the Merc Park with love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. It does indeed. Our guest is uh, the uber creative, uh, Kenny Grappless. <laughs> we'll give you a better sense of what he uh, does and, and, and how he does it so well, why he does it so well. But he and I were just uh, kind of reminiscing, uh, two brothers in the studio, reminiscing about the golden age of television and all the shows, uh, theme songs that we that our generation knows. I don't care if it's Gilligan's Island or <laughs> if it's Family Ties. Or or moonlighting. I mean, we could do this all day long. Yeah, but we all remember these this, this golden era of television where these theme songs sort of connect you to the show. I mean, I didn't want to miss the beginning of Good Times because mm-hmm. you wanted to sing the song. Yep, exactly. I didn't want to miss the beginning of The Jeffersons because you wanted to sing the yep. song. And I, th- I think that may be something TV's missing. Now there's so much instrumental stuff. And I got nothing against I'm, I'm I love instrumental. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's the theme songs of these shows that in part connected you mm-hmm. to them. And I think Hollywood's missing the boat on that. But yeah. who am I to tell Hollywood what to do? Uh, <laughs> that's not my you're, place. You're totally fair to tell Hollywood what to yeah, do. Yeah, I will stay in my lane. I'll stay in my lane. <laughs> so the question that I, that I want to start this conversation with, um, as I mentioned moments ago, uh, born of our tribute to Norman Lear last hour, is how you go about situating black humanity mm-hmm. in the creative stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. So that whether they're album covers, mm-hmm. album packages for LL right. or Biggie, 
um, or PE, Public sure. Enemy, whether they're movie posters for Spike Lee's right. projects or what have you. Mm-hmm. Just talk to me. Actually, before you get to the humanity inside of creativity, mm-hmm. explain to folk what it is that you do. Every sure, day. Yeah. sure. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, what, what I do or what we do as a group is we actually create uh, like marketing materials mm-hmm. for film and television. Mm-hmm. And the, it's something that you just, it's its one of those jobs that you don't really think about. Mm-hmm. Like when you're driving down the street and you look at a billboard and you look at, or when you go into a movie theater and you look at a post or even when you're on Netflix or whatever mm-hmm. and you're scanning through all these different thumbnails, a lot of people don't really think about where that visual is mm-hmm. actually coming from. Mm-hmm. It's just not one of those jobs you actually think about. And the reality of it is not only is it a very real industry, but it's also very cottage, very small. Mm-hmm. And uh, people of color, to be honest, we're not very well represented in it. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we have a much better representation in terms of making content. Sure. You know, like over the last years, we've seen way more directors and producers. But, and but people, not marketing and promoting. Yeah, but actually yeah, marketing yeah, and promoting yeah, yeah, yeah. is a massive sort of... And, and before you go forward, not to cut you off, yeah. but this connection is critical for me. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. I've seen so many, and you know, you, see, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I've seen in my life so many great films mm-hmm. once I saw them. Right. But I didn't see them because right. they were because I thought they were brilliantly marketed or promoted. Right, exactly. Sometimes a great film dies mm-hmm. because of marketing 100%. and promotion. Somebody screwed that part up. I think of the same thing when it comes to music. Yeah, I was literally just the other night listening to an album from El DeBarge. Mm. It is, I think, the best album, and I love all the DeBarge stuff. Right, I love El personally. I know him personally. Know yeah. the family. I love all the DeBarge stuff, but the greatest solo album. Mm-hmm. That L ever did, Warner Brothers, as I recall, just right. screwed it up. Mm-hmm. The marketing and promotion of that album right. was just done so horribly sure. that all these tracks, I mean, Babyface produced four or five of the tracks right, right. and sings on a couple with L. DeBarge, right. but it's just the most amazing album that L ever did. But it died because the marketing and promotion of it was just was was horrible. Right. I was in conversation on this program just last week about this new Bass Reeves thing right. series series yes. that's out. Right. And people were raising questions about the poster. Right. Because he's on there with Dennis Quaid, right. the white actor. Mm-hmm. But for black folk, you look at that poster mm-hmm. and you wonder, well, who's really in charge here? Right. It's about Bass Reeves. It's about Bass Reeves. But, now, why I will say on that, yeah. I have a comment on that particular sure, sure, particular sure, sure, sure. campaign. And I, I didn't mean to take you off your no, off no. Your, off your, but I do have a comment flow. about Bastard. Give me that first. So, yeah. yeah. Um, if you look, if you like, they've done a, actually, I feel like they've done a fair job mm-hmm. of how much promotion they've done on Bass Reeves. Mm-hmm. And I think David, uh, it looks amazing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the poster where he's on the horse. I've not seen that one. Yeah. I've not seen that one. Yeah, yeah. You, if you see that one, yeah. like you really get who's okay. in charge. Okay. Yeah, okay. you do. And I think, you know, we get into a place where there, it's important to show other actors that are on there. Mm-hmm. But in this particular Bathory's case, it was definitely just part of the fair campaign. Fair enough, fair enough. I've not seen all of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just raising, sure. I was just raising no, this conversation. No, absolutely. That black people take that stuff personally. Yeah, 100%. If, if, if you're telling our story, right. then you have to situate See. our humanity in the creativity. 100%. Anyway, you were saying I took you off course. You yeah, know, yeah. You remember, no, no, no. You know you were calling? You yeah, know where yeah. you were going? I know I was keep going. On, keep on going. I'll keep on going. All right, yeah. So... Um, but what everything that you're saying right now in terms of like, uh, oh, how we're looking at an image that presents us, 
That's a massive thing, mm -hmm. right? But again, we don't really think about who's creating that's those right. images. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. And we're one of the few black-owned agencies that do that, which is problematic in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's not a, a black-owned, for instance, trailer company out there right now, 2023. You mean, like, for, 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 those, yeah. for those who don't understand Hollywood, you mean the trailers, the trailers that yeah. the actors use yeah. when they're on location? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't mean the trailers. I mean, you mean the trailer, movie, trailers. movie trailers. Oh, see, yeah. too, too many trailers in this yeah. town. You got movie trailers. You got actual <laughs> exactly. trailers. No, I'm talking about. You meant movie trailers. No, actual okay. trailers themselves that you see so there's all no, over the there's, So your there's, point, there's no company, right, black that, owned, uh, oh, that actually does, does trailers that. for movies. Yes. Wow. Right now, 2023. Doesn't wow. exist. Wow. And part of that is just because that niche part of this industry right you know and there's and obviously you need support you need capital to like build that business right um and it's just an area that we haven't really taken by storm and we really should right because the level of creativity that i mean we push culture you know yeah. so it's the idea that we're not in the marking as much obviously needs to be fixed let me cut in again here what what risk do black filmmakers black showrunners take Mm -hmm. Or two ways. There are two ways to ask this question. Sure. Is. One is what risk are they taking? Right. And the other the other way to ask or, or to frame it is at whose mercy are they? Right. When they produce this great content. Sure. But you're depending on somebody who doesn't look like you. Right. To know how to put a trailer out. Well, here's the thing that sends the right message to the, the right audience message. that you're trying to attract. Hundred percent. And I think also the. No, don't get me wrong. Of course, there's amazing trailers all the time that sure. happen. I think the the reality of that is that when you get something that is very specifically black, it's very mm -hmm. specifically culture focused. Mm -hmm. The the challenge is is who's making that call. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because the reality is because there aren't that many people of color in positions of power. For instance, in Hollywood, in marketing, mm -hmm. then you need someone in marketing who's incredibly attuned to themselves to say even though this might not make me comfortable, I need to be open to hearing about it. Mm -hmm. Because if not, then it's only going to come from that person's perspective. So it, there's there's a lot that you have to balance and a lot. But I think what I would say is that in, in the last five years, filmmakers have had way more control mm -hmm. and way more, um, I think, just way more say. In their trailers. In, in their trailers, Got in it. their marketing, in right. their posters. You know, I think there was a time where people weren't thinking about black people's skin on posters. Mm -hmm. It was just very generic. And now mm -hmm. you, you can't have a conversation with a marketing department without them saying, hey, we need to pay attention to, you know, the different shades that we need to be represented. Well, so that's well, a good sign in that it, sense. It, well, back in the day, even right. if there were black folk in the story, the studios were afraid that if you put too many black faces or any black face oh, on the 100%. on the poster, mm -hmm. it might diminish the ticket sales. People don't realize that when, like, Black Panther had to work. Mm -hmm. People don't realize that the level of having to work, that project had to happen. Mm -hmm. Because it was the one of the first times that we're like, oh, we're going to go all black. You know, like, every superhero, every face you see all black mm -hmm. and it was like if that didn't work then it was going to be an uphill battle from then mm -hmm. because it because that again would be you know hollywood loves that and it would be like listen we tried do you know what i'm saying and it didn't work but the fact that it worked and it worked so mm -hmm. well um was a, a massive thing you know and it obviously it, it, it's helped um you know that the sequel come and yeah. i think it's it it basically showed that yes no you can market with all black people and make money. Yeah. 
you know, which is which, which is a huge. Uh, it's always been like a challenge yeah. per se. So I know one guy, uh, mm-hmm. and I just saw him in New York a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I know one guy who's always been involved. Right. And you, you see where I'm going here. Yeah. At the epicenter of his marketing yes. and promotion. And I said this to Spike one time. He yeah, got yeah. he got mad at me. We got over it. Yeah. I said, Spike, Spike, you're you're a pretty good director. Pretty good. Right. But you are a brilliant marketer. marketer. <laughs> <laughs> and he he was none too happy he with wasn't that. Happy, right? yeah, he wasn't no. happy. But I do but I believe that. Right. I mean, Spike, Spike, called, is, like, Spike is a good director. Yeah, yeah. Don't no, get me wrong. 100%. But his marketing, yeah, no, marketing and promotional chops, he, that Negro yeah. knows how to sell no, no. his stuff. No, think about this. Yeah. You don't like when you really think about it as a director. Like, there's probably not anyone as iconic as Black. Mm-hmm. Just marketing-wise, mm-hmm. as an actual director, mm-hmm. right? You could argue directors of like, oh, this director, that. But actual marketing. Like, there's people that know Spike Lee that haven't seen one of his films. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, he truly, like, was doing things in... When you think about 1986, when he came out with She's Gotta Have It. Mm-hmm. He's been famous since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like really, like when you really think about and, it, and the market on that was yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like he's been he's been famous since then, and yeah. and just grown. Like the fact that he had the the Jordan Mars Blackman campaign. Mm-hmm. Like think about a director who's done that right now. You leave me hanging. You leave me hanging. You leave me hanging. No one. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. hasn't been anyone like mm-hmm. that. So, I, and the reason I the reason why I'm so just like amazed by it is just because it gives you an example of. Yeah, when black people are involved and be ex- allowed to express themselves, mm-hmm. what actually can happen? Yeah. And so for me, as a creative, I think that a lot of people, someone recently asked me, um, you know, being a black person in this environment, you know, do you feel like you've affected like a project or is it something mm-hmm. that you've done? And and I'm not sure if I brought this up the last time we spoke, but there were you know we had worked on the James Baldwin documentary I'm Not Your Negro, mm-hmm. and love him, yeah, Raul Peck, Raul Peck, he, he was just on two weeks ago. No way, yeah, I just, didn't even just know on, that. Just on the show two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. actually even worked on his new uh, Silver Dollar documentary. That's, he was on. That's yeah, what he was on talking he was about. Talking about. We actually about, yeah. worked on that as well. Love that documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the one thing I have to admit, on the the studio came to us, the movie studio came to us, and they were honest. They were like, listen, you know this title. I'm not your Negro. I don't, you know, like, I, this isn't, I'll be real with you. Uh, I am not yeah, your Negro. You know, like, what do we do with yeah, this? What do we do with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the first time I'd felt like a sense, because I think a lot of times it's easy for a studio to come with like their own sort of like, this is how we want to handle this. Mm-hmm. I think they were so sensitive and they were transparent in understanding like, we might not be able to understand what this needs to be. Right. You know, we believe in this documentary, mm-hmm. but we like in terms of how we put this out, we might not get that. And they were so open to that. And my whole thing was like, listen, it's James Baldwin. And, you know, we can't shy away from that title, mm-hmm. you know, we can't shy away from it. And we made the title 90% of the poster, mm-hmm. you know, and we just had his eyes cropped. I love it. And the beautiful thing about it, I feel like a lot of studios, by the time it got to the head person at that studio, it would have been, well, this is kind of uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's coming from a perspective, right? Of like, mm-hmm. well, whoever it is, you know, white, male, female, whoever, older person, like, oh, this makes you uncomfortable. And that might be true. Mm-hmm. But there has to be an understanding to say, even though this makes me uncomfortable, is it right for the project? Mm-hmm. You know, and until we get more people of color in those positions of like, you know, we have to depend on those, that level of sensitivity 
and sort of transformative transformative behavior by executives, which, you know, it's, it's hard to come by, to mm. be honest. But in that particular case, they really did. And they sent it to Raul. And Raul right away said, that's the poster. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was it. So it, that was one of the times I truly felt my culture, me being a black person, was able to step forward and, and put this idea yeah. forth. And it actually get shown. Because a lot of times, there's so many, there's so much work that happens that you never see. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't get past this this is an impossible question um mm-hmm. i got especially in two minutes we'll start the start your answer now continue right. when we come forward <laughs> um but when you when i don't know again i don't know if you can even answer this but let me just ask you anyway because sure. I'm, I'm curious so and spike makes me think about this so you you you, you get an assignment mm-hmm. and the assignment is called i am not your negro right produced by this great filmmaker raul peck yeah but it's about james baldwin right do you go with i am not your negro or do you go with Baldwin, mm-hmm. the person? Right. You're doing a Spike Lee film that Denzel is starting. Sure. Do you go with right. the provocative name of the film? Sure. Or some, or some other yeah. concept? Or do you go with Denzel? Because it is Denzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I know it's a case-by-case thing. Yeah, for but sure. Like, but like, how do you process how does it, right. what, you, what you lead with, what, what if that makes any with? sense? 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I give an example. Okay. Like right now... Horror films are doing great. Okay. Right? Part of the reason they're doing great. They're Jordan Peele is killing it. Right. Oh, yeah. Jordan Peele is killing it. 100% <laughs> Jordan is killing it. Yeah. Horror films are doing great because what's the thing about horror films, they're very much conceptual. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of times you'll see these horror films come out making $60, $70 million and there's not one star in there because mm-hmm. it's all based on genre. It's all based on concept, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes it makes a lot of sense to do that. But then sometimes, obviously, you have someone like a Denzel, you have like a big star. It, you can't, help but be like listen we got to lead with that mm-hmm. but the reality is what's happened lately um big stars hold that thought hold that thought oh. uh, the reality is what what has happened lately, lately. in this genre right. dot 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 to yeah. be continued <laughs> when we come forward when you're listening back. to Kenny Gravelis on Tavis Smile <laughs> awesome. unapologetically progressive, progressive. unapologetically black you're tapped into Tavis Smile Smiley Smiley Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. We are continuing our conversation now with the uber brilliant and talented, prodigiously talented, <laughs> oh uh, Kenny Gravelis, uh, who uh, is uh, in studio with us today uh, as we talk about creativity. In case you've just tuned in, we spent an hour today in tribute to the late, great Norman Lear, yes, who passed away this uh, week at the age of 101. Speaking of creativity on steroids. <laughs> 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 and uh, Kenny Gravelis uh, is doing his thing. Uh, in a pretty amazing way. So you may not know his name, but you have seen his work. You've seen his posters. You've seen it on billboards. You've seen it on album covers. You've seen the brilliant creative work of Kenny Gravelis. And I just love talking to creators. I'm always inspired by talking to creators. You know, I should say this right quick. The reason why I love talking to creators so much, and somebody asked me this one time, whether they're music creatives or artistic creatives like yourself or sculptors or people like Norman Lear who are writers and uh, and showrunners, I always love creators because at their best, at their best, more than any other person I could talk to, creatives are transparent, mm-hmm. they are open, they are honest, they are truthful. Because you can't do, right. does that make sense? No, 100%. I yeah. ain't got to finish, finish my sentence, do I? Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't do stuff that, that, that truly resonates with others. Mm-hmm. I say all the time that what comes from the heart reaches the heart 100% and if you're creative and you're doing something that you want to come from your heart to the hearts of the folks you're trying to market and promote to you got to be real with that thing yeah you have to be real does that that make sense no it makes so much sense um 
you know, like why one of the things I was saying before is that we're in a world now where, um, you know, even if it's celebrities, it's like just having a celebrity on your poster doesn't necessarily mean it's going to sell. Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's been plenty of movies that have had big celebrities on that just haven't, haven't hit. Right. And it's like, so I do think that we live in a world right now where um, people have to feel more. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to feel more mm-hmm. in like what they're being sold. It's like that it has to resonate on a different sort of level not just to see it but yeah they have to feel it yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. um and i I think that's why it's like so important it's so uh imagery is so massive it's such a we're affected by it regardless or not whether we realize it you know it's a constant thing you were saying so uh back to your point you were saying that what has happened in horror specifically yeah in horror the thing about the horror thing that's so interesting is that like it it just kind of shows you how people are open to ideas mm-hmm. you know it isn't always about like oh it has to be this face or that face it's like people are open to concepts mm-hmm. you know um so i don't know i just feel like we're in a we're in a different time right now we're also in a time where the market is so overly populated mm-hmm. you know like you know you've got the netflixes the amazons the apples the hulus like we haven't when you really think about it we haven't been in a place that was has been more oversaturated mm-hmm. than content than this time currently that we're in like we have not been as saturated by content so more even more reason why we as people of color need to be involved in marketing Mm -hmm. of that content Mm -hmm. um so going back to spike for a second i've known spike since 2015 Mm -hmm. and um you know, Spike has always been just massively supportive of people of color working on his projects. And um, I remember specifically on Black Klansman. Great, we, great film. Yeah. John David killed it. John David killed it. Yeah. JD killed it. Yes, he did. And I remember on that, and again, you know, just being very honest, oh, a lot of people in the industry know that we do all Spike's films. So a studio will come to us once they know there's a Spike film because they know a lot of times Spike requests us. Um, on Black Klansman, uh, you know, we were, it was at time to do a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. So I knew I got four male black photographers that I sent to Spike. And I said, Spike, what do you think? So he sent me back this uh, woman photographer um, named Ruby who hadn't really shot a lot of movie posters before. And I sort of like, I was like, hmm, that's, you know, he sent me that this person. I was, I kind of, to be honest, I sort of was like, okay, you know, fair enough. But I sort of re-pushed the four guys, mm-hmm. you know? So then he sent it back to me. He's like, what about this woman here? And I was like, well, Spike, she hasn't really done anything. You know, like, you know, oh, my goodness. Why would I say that? He just let me have it. He's like, Kenny, he's like, how is she going to do anything? Mm-hmm. If we don't give her mm-hmm. that opportunity, mm-hmm. how if it's not us, who's going to do it? He's like, you know what? Now I'm actually putting it on you for her to succeed. Like now, it's your responsibility. <laughs> so take, I was take, like, take that. I know. So yeah. I was running like to make sure we supported this woman who did, by the way, an amazing job mm-hmm. and did the poster of Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, what it just showed me, it wasn't. I mean, of course, I was trying to to push forward black photographers, sure. um, but I was also trying to push black photographers that I knew 100 percent could to, mm-hmm. could do it right. And what Spike showed me there was just like. But we have to also give opportunities that for people that, like, maybe an, have not been in that room or haven't had the chance. Yeah. And who's going to be able to get 
someone that doesn't really have the experience yeah. and opportunity other than someone like us or someone like Spike. And at, that's what we, we just don't do enough of that, mm -hmm. period. Yeah, I take that. At, at your level, I should be clear, at your level, you're doing a whole lot more than black stuff. Yeah. You're doing all kind of stuff in Hollywood. Yeah, and, and I feel like that's another thing yeah. that's so important. It's just like, when you think about it, I grew up watching Jaws and Close Encounters and all mm -hmm. that stuff. But I also grew up watching, you know, um, Coolie High mm -hmm. and I grew up on Shaft and all those. Other, so so our, and I'm the same as a lot of black people. So our, our, our history is broad. You know, it isn't just specifically mm -hmm. black, mm -hmm. you know, and that for us as an agency, that was very important for yeah. us. In the beginning, we focused actually specifically on not black anything mm -hmm. until we felt that we weren't going to get pigeonholed. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think in 2009, we ended up working on Alvin and the Chipmunks, mm -hmm. uh, Inglorious Bastards, and Avatar. Mm -hmm. And then we felt like, okay, you can't really pigeonhole us. That, 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 that's, <laughs> that, that's high cotton, as we say. Inglorious Bastards, Avatar, so, and Alvin, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, that, that ain't black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But, but, but it, it needs me to ask. Uh, when you work on black stuff, though, right. whether or not you feel a particular penchant or a pull no, oh, or responsibility 100%. to make sure that in the stuff that you do, yep. you're changing the narrative of 100%. what they think when they see black faces. Hundred percent. You yeah, can't yeah. help it. I don't yeah, really yeah. like like it's you know right. We just recently worked on the color purple. Uh -huh. and I was just so proud to work on it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sorry, I'm not. This isn't any shade to any of our white counterparts, but there's mm -hmm. no way you can feel like I can mm -hmm. about working on About that, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's just no way you can, yeah. you know, and that isn't me. You know, I'm not saying they can't do a great mm -hmm. job, but I'm saying, like, what that means to me, mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's just, there's just how, no how, way. How do, you, how do you process being able to work on, so, for example, when you work on something Spike gives you Black Klansman, right. 20 years from now, it may be a classic, right? but Color Purple yeah. is already 100%. a classic. Yes. How do you process the opportunity to work on something that's already classic and your responsibility on a certain level is just not to screw it up. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, it's just not to screw it up but it's yeah. also, it's just to um, Blitz uh, Buzzwell who did the, um, who directed this film has done such an amazing job and it's a different film from, you know, Spielberg's film. It's sure. different, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, but it, and it's beautiful and it's just one of those things where I don't know. I feel like when we get these opportunities, they mean so much, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, they mean so much. There's been projects where, you know, it's been, I remember we didn't work on the first black, black Panther and I was just devastated, mm -hmm. you know, like I remember. And actually, ironically, um, we worked on, there was two projects that happened that year, black Panther and Creed, uh, both pretty much mm -hmm. came out roughly in the same year. We didn't get to work on either of them. And I remember being so disappointed. And, and thankfully, the last Creed 3 and Black Panther 2, we got a chance to work on. But we also got a chance to work on because we also got support from those filmmakers as well. Mm -hmm. So again, it's like, you know, community is such oh, yeah. a huge part of this whole thing. And I think for me personally, because we don't see enough of our peers, people that look like us in our industry, yeah. it became, and this is something that Spike has talked to me a lot, it became about, Kenny, what do you actually do about that? Yeah. And we'll talk about that when we come forward. Yeah. That's, thank you for the segue. Yeah. That was a very nice segue. <laughs> what, what do we actually do about that? Yeah. Well, it turns out he and his, uh, his colleagues at his company are doing something about that um, in association with Netflix and Otis College. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that part, as they say, when we come forward with Kenny Gravelis on Tavis Smile. <laughs> this is getting good. Yeah, man. 
Tavis Smiley continues when we come forward. Smiley right now. Tavis Smiley and Kenny Gravelis as we continue to talk about what it means to be black and um, and, and creative. Um, what, what would you, uh, I'll, I'll get to, uh, I promise in a moment here, I'll get to, to Otis and to, yeah. to Netflix. Um, but for those who are, who see themselves mm-hmm. and are in fact creatives. Right. But in whatever field, sure. Uh, but are having difficulty um, getting folk to see, to understand, mm-hmm. to embrace, right. to give opportunity um, to that creativity, sure. for it to, I mean, to, to breathe some life into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they keep trying, they keep trying, they keep trying. Nothing's breaking for them as yet. What's your advice to them? Don't stop. Yeah. 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 Don't stop. Yeah. You know, I um, I was fired four times mm. before I got my job at Def Jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's it just you got to keep going, yeah. and that's just the the reality. You know, it's um, I I tell this to people all the time. It's like we're in a position now where more than anything, like things can happen. You know, social mm-hmm. media, like thing, like we're in a time where there, like things can catch fire so fast. You know, so you got to keep going, got to keep pushing all out there. Like you got to keep, regardless of we have this thing at our company where, you know, a lot of times you don't like the posters that you want to happen don't happen, mm-hmm. and it, it's easy to get down about that. But we actually created like a little sort of just a place where people could put things that they were really passionate about, mm-hmm. regardless or not whether it made it. Right. You know, because the reality is you, you can't sometimes depend on people's validity yeah. of your work mm-hmm. to give you a, that that sort of, I understand it's nice, of course, to be honored or to have your, but yeah. you can't depend on that to drive your creativity. Yeah. As, as, a, as a music lover, I am curious, and we'll get, we'll get, to, we'll get to these two things when we yeah. come forward in our remaining moments here with Kenny Gravelis. Um, I want to ask him, uh, speaking of Def Jam, uh, what's it like being a creative in that music space? We've been talking mm-hmm. mostly about film and film. television, but Public Enemy, mm-hmm. LL Cool J, Biggie, Biggie Smalls. We'll talk about that when we come forward, what it means to be creative in that sort of space, and then we'll wrap our conversation uh, giving him a chance to brag, and he should. Give him a chance to brag and beat his chest a little bit about the good work that they are doing <laughs> with Netflix uh, and and Otis uh, uh, to give access to black and brown students who want to enter this industry that he is in. Our remaining moments with Kenny Gravelis when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Dad. He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. All right, I got four minutes left with Kenny Gravelis. I want to cover three things in four minutes. Yeah. You got, you got the... I got it. You got, you got the... You got, you got it. Okay. Three things. You minutes. got it. Three yeah. things in four minutes. <laughs> the first is... I was saying to Kenny in, in, in that break just uh, a moment ago how much I love the stuff that he's done, uh, posters and, and, and billboards that really put black love out there. Mm-hmm. And I think of your, your work when it comes to black love. I think of Queen and Slim. I think of if Beale Street could talk, talk right. there are others. But just talk to me very quickly about putting black love out there image-wise. Sure. I think the biggest thing about that, it, it just has to feel real. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, it, I think, like, with Queen and Slim, for instance, it's like that shot of them just together. Like, you, it, I love yeah, that photo. I, I, like, I hate to say, you you <laughs> knew that black people were involved. Yes. <laughs> You know, and that's the thing. I mean, I love it's, it. it's getting that. So I don't know. I feel like, you know, yeah. I think working with directors closely when it comes to that thing is uh, super important. We worked yeah. with 
Melina Matsukas, who directed that film very closely for like three weeks in our studio. So to see black love yeah. on billboards and buses it's, it's everywhere, beautiful, you look, yeah, we don't see a, it enough, obviously. So it's a beautiful exactly. thing. Secondly, um, what, what is the distinction uh, doing black creative in a music, music. space with people like PE and yeah, LL yeah. and Biggie versus film and television? Film. Yeah. You know what? It's it's way more personal. Right. You know, artists are way more personal. It's like with movies, where there's still a machine there. You know, like the studio, whatever. I think with artists, like what we've done work with, done with PE. I remember working on a, a Public Enemy album. I was 21 years old, and like Chuck D was sitting with me till midnight, like looking at the credits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and he drove me back to the Bronx afterwards. That's you know Chuck, what I mean? That's Chuck. And yeah, so that's, that's a Chuck. whole different thing. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. it, it is personal for you. Yeah, it's personal. It's personal. Yeah. I remember going to Erica Badu's house yeah. in Dallas to listen to a record with her to work on Worldwide Underground. And I went, and she's like, so she's Southern and she's so incredibly giving. So I remember her like giving me things to take back to LA. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like after I was done listening to the I, record. I'm just laughing because you went to Badu's house and you made it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baduism, I'm going to leave that right I'm where not, it is. I'm not going to leave that where it is. If somehow, I went to Erica's house, I'm, I'm not, not sure I would have left. Sure, I know. <laughs> so, somehow. <laughs> So no, I got out of I'll tell you a quick funny story. The very first time Eric and I have known each other for years, the very first time I interviewed her, I was on BT many years ago. And the short version of it is she had this mystique about her, as yeah, you know. Absolutely. And I was scared to death of her. Right. And I was I'm a pretty intense interviewer. Right. And she was scared to death of me. <laughs> it took us fifteen minutes in that conversation to realize we ain't gonna kill each other. Right. Okay. And, it, and she finally opened up yeah. and I relaxed. It was a great conversation. Oh, but awesome. I was scared to oh, death of interviewing Eric about the very yeah. first time. I don't get intimidated that way, right, but she right. scared the crap out of me, uh, man. But we, we got through it. Finally, a minute yes. and a half, nine seconds to go, all yours. Tell me about what? this program with Netflix and Otis. Yes. So, you know, of course, like I said, there's obviously not enough people that look like us that are in our industry. So, in, you know, when 2020 happened, we were able to um, get with an art school here in Los Angeles called Otis, and we pitched them uh, myself, actually. And I have to say, one of our competitor partners, uh, we both together pitched them this idea of doing a program for black and brown kids, specifically that teach what we do, mm-hmm. like making posters, making trailers, everything in the entertainment world. And it took about a year and a half. We got the we got a program, we got like a curriculum worked out, but we needed a sponsor, someone to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, and we needed a sponsor that was going to basically put us in a position where the rest of our industry would have to connect to it. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, God willing, like Netflix were the ones that came mm-hmm. and they actually connected. And now they are supporters. They, they paid for the program. You know, and now our whole industry supports it. And actually, on Monday, actually, I'm going to speak to speak to the kids. Oh, how yeah, cool is so that? It's just a, it's a great it's just a great thing. And it, like the goal, of course, is within 20 months, these kids are going to get internships yeah. for the different agencies in our, and hopefully from that they'll get into jobs and we can start changing the way the industry looks. I know they'll be happy to see you, but I know you will be happy to see them. Yeah, exactly. And congrats on that work and witness. Yes, sir. I'm glad to Thank know that you. you're doing that. Thank you so His much. His name is Kenny Gravelis. Um, Again, you now know the name uh, and the work. And I'm always honored, Kenny, to have you in studio. Oh, absolutely, Tavis. Thank you, my, thank you, sir. Appreciate it so much. Pleasure is all mine. Happy holidays to you. you you too, sir. Tomorrow's Friday, the best of Tavis Smiley. Uh, you'll enjoy it, I hope. I'm sure you will. It's going to be a great show tomorrow. Until then, thanks for tuning in all this week and to, to today's program. And as always, keep the faith.